the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back as we head into hour three. Delight to do so with our dear friend, our good friend, Sam Stone. Sam the Paul on Twitter X Twix. You've adopted it as your meme, as your picture. Yeah, and I'm I'm rolling with it because still to this day, we're like, you know, six months or nine months, whatever it is since Elon Musk yeah. bought the thing. And everyone in the news is like X, formerly known as Twitter. With the, yeah, it's just added words. We don't yeah, need them. I, I solved the problem. We solved problems. We did. That's yeah. what we do. What's going on? I, I literally got uh, on a plane. Well, got up at about 3.30 Central Time this morning, got <laughs> on a plane, flew back here, have been on the go ever since. So I have no idea what's up. <laughs> yeah. Well, we also did an interesting and fun and successful and great event on behalf of uh, the candidacy for Kerry Lake today. It was a wonderful luncheon and uh, uh, fantastic to have Senator John Barrasso in town. He is such a serious, sober person. I would love him to be the next. I'm probably not allowed to say it, but I, I would love him to be the next majority leader. Uh, look, I think there's four or five people that are at the top of the list. Let's go through it. Um, I, look, my, well, my preference versus what the reality is, right? But right. Um, if I had a choice, he'd be on the list. Um, Rand Paul, yep. we've talked about before. Yep. Yep. I, I would love to see Rand Paul in that role. Yep. Um, Ted Cruz. Yep. I think would work. Yep. Um, uh, oh, I just blanked on her name. The woman with three names that, that does the hyphenation. Uh, oh, I'll come up with it. Yeah, we'll think of it yeah. in two seconds. Yeah. Like I said, it's a morning that started very, very early. You and me both, baby. Yep. You and me both. And we're at the end of the day. <laughs> we're at yeah, 5 o'clock my, my day goes right until like 9 o'clock tonight. Yeah. It's insane. But. People were talking to me about Cornyn. Now, I get it because of the tenure. He's been there a long time. but I actually think that speaks against it right that's, now. Yeah, that's my point. I think we need, and this is why I liked the early Gingrich Revolution, Sam. I think we need leaders who make you want to charge a hill and give you reasons to suit up and want to charge that hill. And you as good and solid as he may be on 95% of what we agree on, he doesn't do it. No, he doesn't. And, you know, I, I agree 100%, Seth. I would add that you want someone who does all those things and gives you confidence you can win when you do it. Right. Um, which is one thing I think Senator Barrasso does in spades, right? He has that he, Wyoming senator, and he has that sort of cowboy confidence. Yep. In the way he carries himself and in the, the way he speaks, up the wazoo yeah. Position. And he was so dynamic. Oh my gosh, he's he, much funnier in person than the clips you'll see yeah. of him. Oh yeah, no, he is dynamic. But he also said something interesting, and I think it's good for the audience to know that election for our next majority leader, because everyone's kind of Twitter pated about <clears throat> McConnell's announcement of retiring from the position. Doesn't happen until after the November election. 
Right. So if we don't have a majority, this is a ridiculous conversation. Well, I mean, you become the minority leader, right. which, you know, let's be honest, we keep chipping away at the foundations. Right. Uh, you know, Democrats mostly have chipped away at the foundations of the Senate so that the minority leader does not have nearly the power that they did 10 or 20 years ago. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, folks, this is it's hard to explain. I think I think our your listener, Seth, probably understand this better than most. We've said for decades, you know, every election's the yeah, most right. important election here. But we haven't been dealing with Democrats who don't believe in America or American Correct. values until now. Totally on that point. And. This is really a sea change that has come from our colleges and universities. It filtered through K-12, through departments of, you know, schools of education and all that sort of thing. I I, I came yesterday from testifying in front of a, a state Senate committee in Nebraska and I was questioned by one of the Democrats there, a, a black Democrat from inner city Omaha. This guy hates this country. Yeah. And that's who Democrats are electing in many, many capacities. And it's very disconcerting. I, you know, we'd never had to deal with this where, you know, look, if it was Clinton and Clinton Democrats, um, I didn't fear them. We I disagreed with them. Night. We could go to sleep at night knowing that if a major international incident took place or if there was some kind of domestic crisis, Maso Menace, more or less, things would be OK. Maybe we would have zigged where they would have zagged. But they were on the same principle we were on. Yeah, we would have gone in more or less the same direction. Maybe we take a different path to get there. But um, this is a very different moment. Uh, you know, we, we're going to have uh, State Senator Anthony Kern on, on our show, Breaking Battlegrounds, this week for a little bit. And, well, good. and we were talking with him. You know, Democrats are thrilled with the idea of indoctrinating children with pornography in our schools. They're thrilled with satanic worship being in every facet of public life. But if you bring up the Ten Commandments, they lose their minds. Every single Democrat this week voted no on allowing the posting of the Ten Commandments. In and the, it'd be a choice by teachers. Right. And, and they voted every single one of them. And I, I brought this up, you know, in that conversation. Look, I'm Jewish, but I'm the first one to to fully admit the Ten Commandments are the basis of Western rational thought and law in many, many ways. English common law and all the various law that has flowed from the traditions of rationality and morality have come from the basis of the Ten Commandments. This shouldn't be that hard. And it's a weird thing to me when you think about the Democratic Party nationally or when you think about it locally, Sam, because you've been dealing with it here locally for a long time. You have the second largest county in the state posting an advertisement and hosting an event called F the Fourth. Yeah. That was the Democratic Party in Arizona, the Pima Democrats. Yep. Pima. And they didn't say F. They had the whole word. Right. Um, the following year, the Senate Democrats from the legislature over their official um, uh, account – Posted a quote from Asada Shakur, who is wanted for murder and is a, um, a, a, a terrorist, a Marxist terrorist, radical hiding. Yeah, in Cuba. Right. I don't know what we have to say to convince people that the Democratic Party is now fully entrenched and embedded. 
when moderate Democrats so-called run against the likes of Rashida Tlaib or Ilan Omar, the they Democratic, get crushed. They get crushed, and the National Democratic Party supports Ilan Omar and Rashida Tlaib right. over them. So the moment they start telling us, no, we're actually moderate, they're lying. Oh, it's an absolute lie, and it's re- you know I. I don't understand the end game. I've been thinking a lot about yeah, this let's lately. Talk about that. But what is the end game to this? Because it makes no sense to me to teach people to hate themselves, their history, their country, to hate morality, to celebrate murder and mutilation and death. I I don't understand. Okay, so you know. Marxism was about destruction and, sh- and, and, and overturning everything that exists. And we got a taste of it during 2020 with the destruction of statues, with the de- rewriting of our history. 1776 wasn't our founding. It's now some year no one has ever heard of, 1619. Um, the elevation of notions and heroes we had never heard of. I honestly think, Sam, that we have to take very seriously this point that the Marxist tug within that party is serious. I was postulating this, and maybe it's stupid. You know this world much better than I do. But I was postulating this with John Shattuck yesterday. If Nancy Pelosi or Steny Hoyer were to host a rally in their own cities, and then you have the thought experiment of AOC and Rashida Tlaib hosting a rally in Steny Hoyer's and Nancy Pelosi's Mm -hmm. cities... What would have more? Uh, it's not even a question. Okay. It's not even a question. I that, think that's the answer to that the That the extreme radicals would have it. Yeah. No, look, I I have, and it, it hurts me to say this in a certain way, I've given up on the Democrat base and those who identify as, as real liberals, progressives, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there are a lot of people out there who are blue-collar Democrats, who are old-school Democrats, or who are left-leaning independents who still vote for them, who don't understand what exactly it is they're voting for, because if they, it's hidden from them on CNN, New York Times, well, Washington, on that, Washington Post. All right, let's take a quick commercial break and pick up on that. Sam Stone is my guest, political consultant, host of his own radio show, Breaking Battlegrounds, heard here every Saturday at 9 a.m. on 960 a.m. The Patriot, and he and I will be right back. Welcome back, Seth. Uh, Seth, <laughs> I'm Seth Leaps, and Sam Stone is my guest. I'm moving too fast here. I, 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 I sympathize. And <laughs> it happens. Empathize. <laughs> I was about to give you all my sins. You don't want that. You, you know what? You, know, <laughs> you don't want the burden of my sins. You know Sam what the Stone. toughest part about radio, and especially live radio, is? Uh, it's so easy to lose track of thought and just start stumbling all over the place, <laughs> or like you're coming back from break and you have no idea where to pick back well, up. Well, I. I I've given a talk here or there, a monologue here or there, on the importance of yellow lights. I think we all need to appreciate yellow lights a little bit more. In reality, and well, in drivers in Arizona yeah, certainly do. Absolutely, absolutely. The inclination I have seen, particularly with motorcyclists, is you see a yellow light and they stampede through it. They 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 blow through it, and often not to a great end. I have people all the time hammering their horn behind me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I, yeah. but look, maybe we need a yellow light with our politics. If, if if anyone ever pulls my record, 
And, you know, I'm surprised they haven't. <laughs> I get speeding tickets. But I get speeding tickets on highways in the middle of nowhere. Okay. Right? All right. Like, that's my – that's the thing. I've got a lead foot. I do not come close to running a red light because having worked at the city and having talked to our police and the traffic division all that kind of thing, look, the yellow lights are your best friend on the road. Right. And you're right, Seth. We need a yellow light in politics a whole lot right, right. now. Right. Right. So people see yellow and they think green. What they should see when they see yellow is red. Maybe slow down and maybe stop because we're moving awfully fast here to a yeah. place. I was given a talk the other day on are we at a point of no return? San Francisco, Portland, Seattle, Los Angeles, Chicago, Pennsylvania, Sam, New York City. How much further can we go before it is at a point of no return? Think about what a point of no return means. It means is there enough gas to get you back to your foundation? And I don't know anymore. I don't know. Um, you know, one of the things I, I think about quite a bit is what would be happening in New York right now had they not disarmed New Yorkers? Right. I mean, the, the, let's be honest. The Second Amendment does not exist for any right. real basis in, in the state of New York anymore. Right. Um, it's actually you have far more rights in California. You have far more rights in Oregon and Washington. New York is is at way out front on that. They've disarmed their population where you see them charging, you know, somebody who defended themselves with a gun from an, a crazed attacker. Defended themselves and others. And others. Yeah. And they're putting that person in jail forever. Right. You know, um, someone who should not have been out on the streets and in public, by the way. Right. The city of New York failed that person. Right. Right. No, absolutely. Well, and, and it's a repeated story. Correct. I mean, it, it's not an uncommon occurrence now. What would be happening if that hadn't happened? Right. I, I would actually have more faith right. that because what would happen one way or another, citizens would start fighting back. You, you would see a lot of I wouldn't even call it vigilantism, but you'd see a lot of self-defense or or restraint. And, and then the restraint. Yeah, right? right. I mean. I was I was laughing with uh, a PD officer one day because he had arrested a guy from California who had tried to break into a house here and found himself on the floor yeah. with the homeowner's wife, uh, you know, the, the woman of the house yeah. with a shotgun there and, you know, holding him until the officers arrived. And this guy was stunned, yep. you know, because he had broken into apparently a whole bunch of houses in California in his career and then decided to come to Arizona for vacation and break into a few more. And he was shocked. That's why these home invasions, these dinnertime home invasions. Yeah, talk to me about that. What? Where? When did this start? Uh, uh, all of a sudden, I'm starting to see stories about dinnertime home in Scott, in leafy Scottsdale well, and PV. PV and actually some of the other surrounding very high-end areas. Where people moved not to have that. Right. Um what I find interesting about that is that's if the cops don't catch them, those guys are going to end up being shot. Yeah. It's going to happen at some point. Now, they may also shoot a homeowner in the process. They actually appear to be a very professional gang in that they control the scenario very carefully. Yeah. You know, they, they come in, they control the people in the house, they hold them at gunpoint. They do not harm them in any way they steal everything and they leave it's very fast it's a fairly large group Um, it is clearly an organized obviously very well organized criminal enterprise and 
I have to sadly say it's kind of smart coming at dinner time yeah. because people are gathered in yeah. one place in the house yeah. um, and generally not where they're armed, yeah. right? Right. Um, whereas if people are upstairs in the bedroom, yeah. you might have an armed home yeah. homeowner coming yeah. after you. Um, or divided families. Divided families. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's all it. sorts yeah. of things. Right. So it's been going on for a couple of months. It flew under the, the public radar a little bit. Um, but as I understand it, there have now been over 150 of these. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And that's, you know. The, In the cities people fled to. Yeah, and I don't, I don't have any problem with the homeowner that puts bullets in every one of those people when they come in their house. Well, it would stop things pretty quickly. Yeah. You probably more than anyone in the city know the deficit of police officers. We're a thousand officers where, from where we were okay. at our peak a, a little over a decade ago. Okay. With a population that's grown by 30% plus okay. since then. All right. So we're a thousand and, – and, and that can be replicated in every major city. Probably it's worse in every major city. It's, it's worse in a lot of them. Um, Phoenix was compounded because the city of Phoenix uh, handled the 2008-2009 recession so poorly okay. that they ended up with a hiring freeze for about five years. So that's compounding Phoenix's problem. At the time when other people were hiring, they weren't. Mm-hmm. So now we have a dip, but they're going to get to the place Phoenix is in very quickly. And there are others that are in that. In fact, one of the things I was in Nebraska working with law enforcement, trying to get some changes made to uh, the penalties for assaults on officers, especially deadly assaults. Um, rural jurisdictions. Yeah are having a terrible time recruiting. I mean, if you remember years ago, people talked about the doctor deficit, and that's, there's a doctor, there are no doctors almost in small communities anymore. You have to go a long way. Um, Welcome telemedicine. I mean, that's why we have it, telehealth and telemedicine. Yeah, and we're getting that way with police. Um, So, you know, I was talking, a lot of departments, rural, small departments, are kind of just disappearing. Wow. And... You're having state patrol, you know, state uh, troopers take over those duties where they can, but they have their own duties also, and their force isn't expanding. Is there a pipeline or a conveyor belt that can build this sort of thing? I mean, I tend to go perhaps too philosophical on this, but, you know, when you and I were growing up, we're not that far apart in age, but when you and I were growing up, we played things, games like cops and robbers. Yes. Uh you asked a young boy what he wanted to be when he grew up. If it wasn't like a G.I. Joe type person, it was a policeman or a fireman or an astronaut. Yeah. Fighter pilot after Fighter Tom pilot Cruise came out, Tom you know, Cruise. after Top Gun. Yeah. All that's gone. All that's gone. Maybe maybe we'll take a quick commercial break and come back on that. Yeah. All right. Sam Stone and I are going to do a little philosophy. The philosophy of men with Sam Stone when we come right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Sam Stone is my guest. Follow him, follow him on Twitter, Twix, at Sam the Paul, P-O-L. Uh, listen to his show, Breaking Battlegrounds, every Saturday at 9 a.m. right here on 960 a.m., the Patriot Political Consultant. Sam, there are certain things that we didn't used to think government should or would have any business in, quite frankly, that were just kind of working part and parcel along society to keep civilization, you know, normal or afloat. Faith, church, one of them, um, family life, one of them. Work, the idea of work, one of them. 
and the way we raised our children. So right before the break, we were talking about the police deficit in some of our major cities. We're about 1,000 down here in Phoenix itself. Um, young boys don't want to or aren't allowed to play cops and robbers anymore. Oh, if you to tried be, to do right? that on a playground at right. a school today, right. Right. that kid's getting major right. punishment. Right. I'll never forget when that faux fake story, that airsats story um, about the Border Patrol on the horse with the whips right. and the, Haitian in, the fake whips, the horse reins that were called whips by people like Maxine Waters. Yeah, the split reins, which, which right. for anyone who's worked horses in brush right. – you have to use because otherwise a connected rein is a big danger right. to you and the horse. Absolutely. So Maxine Waters does a press conference and talks about these cowboys in a pejorative. Now, cowboys and Indians, okay, we can talk about that kind of thing. But the idea of a cowboy also used to be a heroic notion. And all of this has been decimated. All of this has been robbed for our young boys that we try to train to become young men to do the kinds of things that keep you know, civilization, you know, on an even keel. And so when we're looking at the deficit of police officers, I'm wondering about the conveyor belt, and I'm wondering if we're entering a new normal. Now, you said you, like me, abjure vigilantism, but at what point do people have any other choice than to protect themselves if we're not going to have a culture that makes heroes of first responders? You know, what worries me is that you have the concurrent effort of the Democrat Party to eliminate the Second Amendment and take away the right of Americans to own firearms and to protect themselves. So I would tell everybody right now to get one. But, yeah, you, you go back and look at it. Schools were designed for both, at least when I went through school, maybe in a previous generation it was different. I don't know. But they were designed pretty reasonably for both boys and girls. Yep. Right. The education you received, what you were told, the the kind of play that was allowed, all of those things um, were really designed for both. I mean, we didn't have any ADHD. What we had were hyperactive kids. And the teacher would literally like if you had a super hyperactive kid, they'd say, go out and do laps while the class works on whatever and then come back in. Right. Um, That was good schooling. Mm -hmm. What they have now is a system that's designed for girls who have mental issues. It's not just for girls. That's kind of a a cop-out. What it is is for people who have serious social anxiety problems, Um, and it tries to eliminate all potential forms of conflict. Well, conflict resolution is one of the single most valuable things anyone can develop in their lifetime. And it also allows you to dream of careers where conflict resolution is really the job, which, by the way, is what policing is. Policing at its heart is conflict resolution. Um, That is anathema to today's educational environment. I'm thinking a little bit about a few things related to that. I had Tom Horn, our superintendent, on yesterday. And we were talking about – he raised the issue, the phrase that's become new over the last decade, social and emotional learning. Some people know it as just SEL. And it's kind of been an excuse to take away the kinds of things we used to think the education system was built for. Uh-huh. A little reading, a little math, a little science, a little geography, a little history. Well, kids don't know any of that. I mean look at the numbers. Exactly right. they, they do not know any of that. Exactly right. But they know about how they feel about all those topics. 
<laughs> well, without knowing anything about the <laughs> right. topic themselves, right, right, right. They, they have right. feelings that have been imparted to them right. by adults. It's like when I went out to one of the the environmental protests, and I started talking to a kid, and I, I very quickly got rounded up by one of their leaders and dragged away from this kid. But I kept asking him why he had his beliefs, and he had no basis other than to say, "Well, one of my teachers said this, and this is what they say." That's right. That's right. And I'll tell you how fake it is. It's this fake. For all this braying about social and emotional learning, from 2020 to 2022, the last thing that education unions and the Democrats cared about was the emotional and social health of our children. They shut down schools to They proved without a doubt that our schools are political experiments for them during that period. Carefree Highway by Gordon Lightfoot. Sam Stone is my guest. I was having dinner last night, Sam. I forgot that was his song. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Gordon Lightfoot, Carefree Highway, written about a breakup with a woman from Carefree. I was having dinner last night with Marshall Trimble, who is the Arizona official historian, and he knew Gordon a little bit, and he talked a little bit with him and was telling me, regaling us with some stories about Gordon Lightfoot and Carefree and and that song. Uh, So that was just kind of fun. I'm going to give you a great quote about bullies. I just love this quote from the great writer G.K. Chesterton. Can I do this? The romance of police activity keeps in some some sense before the mind the fact that civilization itself is the most sensational of departures and the most romantic of rebellions— By dealing with the unsleeping sentinels who guard the outposts of society, it tends to remind us that we live in an armed camp, making war with a chaotic world, and that the criminals, the children of chaos, are nothing but traitors within our gates. The romance of the police force is thus the whole romance of man. It is based on the fact that morality is the most dark and daring of conspiracies. It reminds us that the whole noiseless, and unnoticeable police management by which we are ruled and protected is only a successful night errantry. Oh, that's good. Isn't that beautiful? That's really good. It's beautiful because what we tend to forget is we need not just physical police, not just men and women in blue uniforms with, you know, uh, cop cars and, 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 and abilities to cite and arrest and handcuffs and guns. What it means is that society itself needs guardrails and that the police are there because we as humans are not naturally great people. Dennis Prager makes the point. If you ever go to a um, bookstore, if there are any more, there's the one on Indian school we love. But if you go to the self-help section of a bookstore, there are no books on how to be a worse person. Right. We don't need that. No. We got that. We're good well, with and, that. And, you know, Bill Maher hits on this all the time yeah. where he says people are not good people. Right. right. Right? I mean, our natures are to be selfish. That is the animal nature of the human right. condition. Yeah. And you do need guardrails. And we've lost a lot of them. And it's not just the decline in policing, but decline in religion. Right. Um, the decline. And fathers. Fatherhood. Right. Uh, the decline in community institutions. I mean, think of how big the Elks Club and all these these various institutions used to be at bringing people together. And, the, you know, they're, they're still there, but they are tiny compared to what they once were. At one time, I think by the 1950s, the average American adult was a member of six community associations okay. in their community. Okay. 
the average now is less is way less than one. I mean, a tiny fraction. Those connections supersede your differences, but they also bind you morally to the institutions around you. And that's gone. And we're now taking away the last guardrail, the police. And what are we replacing it with? An ideology of selfishness, an ideology that is all about me first, right? And when you do that, what you're going to get is a lot of behavior that is really vile to other human beings. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing that. We're seeing it with the shoplifting. We're seeing it with the increased crime rate. We're seeing it with the, the home invasion type stuff. These things are way different in scope and scale than they ever were. And a lot of that is because not only the external guardrail of the police, which is being taken away, but the internal guardrails of the moral foundation based on community association are gone. Yeah, I was just thinking <clears throat> you've watched Happy Days growing up. Oh, I loved Happy Days. A 1970s shows a, a, a 1970s series about the 1950s. And Mr. Cunningham who what did he have a hardware store? Yep. He had that funny hat because he would go out to his version of the Elks Club. I don't think it was the Elks, but it was some version. It was the Moose Lodge or something. Yeah, it's a, yeah. And we all knew what that meant. Right. No one would know what that means today. No, you'd have no clue. At least no one under 30. No, and, and frankly, not most other people either at this right, point. Right, And the kinds of things they did was civic and get – go ahead. Yeah. I will say this. The Elks Club by me, yeah. uh, if you can get in at dinner and invite to the Friday night steak dinner, worth it. Can you get me in? Oh, yeah. Here's my – It's like 20 bucks. It's fantastic. Here's my Look, you should be part of this just for the – I should be. Yeah. Here's my entry. It says B-P-O-E, and I actually know what that means. Oh, Benevolent – Protectorate of the Elks. That should get me in. That's that's right. That right. should get you in. Yeah, that really yeah. should. <laughs> There's not another radio I, I, host I in the country get, that knows that. No, there are none. There's like <laughs> there's like only half the Elks that know that. <laughs> right, probably. Sorry, sorry right. folks. Sorry, I, yeah, I don't mean that. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, this is the problem. Let's go do a fish fry or a steak dinner at the Elks. I would love to do that. That would be. Oh, fun. it's fantastic. Tocqueville understood that this was the magic that kept. The cohesion of America together, though, too, civic associations. And to have a civic association, you have to have an idea of what civic means, which means really civilization, which means a society that cares about manners, cares about the upbringing of boys to turn them into responsible men, cares the upbringing of girls to turn them into responsible women. And that's why I am just kind of bewitched by this notion of point of no return. I, I hope I'm not being overly dramatic, but I really worry about it. I'm very, I'm very concerned, and right alongside you, Seth. I, when you know, the left is very explicit, and I actually kind of just made this connection right now, listening to you. But the left is very explicit that there is nothing higher than the self, right, 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 and that is total fallacy. Right. I, I mean, if you if you listen to any of the great thinkers of the world, what they all come to is that. Um, Value is service to others, yeah. service to society. That's where you'll find people will find the greatest satisfaction in their existence. Right. That this entire notion that you're going to make yourself happy by constantly serving yourself. Right. Democrats are like the least happy people on the planet. Right. Progressives, there are studies on progressives this. This is are, not controversial. No, this is not. I'm, I'm not established social science. Yeah, no, research. this this right. is this right. is not hyperbole. Right. right. The science on this is very clear that the more progressive you are, the more miserable you are, and the more you are focused on yourself and no one else. Correct. 
And the reason that you see in the left the revolutionary tendency, the Marxist revolutionary tug or pull, is because they want to change everything based on their own internal angst. We've got to take a break. We'll finish the hour on this, Sam. But I'm convinced that's what's going on here. And it started in the early, here in America at least, it started in the early 1970s with the radical Marxist feminist movement that said the, the personal si- every is the genera- political. I have a friend says every generation rebels. The 60s generation is the first one that won. Okay. I will let you make a concluding comment on that when we come right back. We'll be right back. Portions of this show are brought to you by our good friends at Y-Refi. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com. Or give them a call at 888-Y-REFI-24. They have a great investment opportunity in a secure and collateralized portfolio that really invests in you. You can turn your income on or off, compound it, whatever you like. There is no attack on principle if you ever need your money back. There are absolutely no fees with Y Refi, and of course, you get a monthly statement with no surprises. But best of all, you can earn up to a ten and a quarter percent fixed rate of return, and it's not not correlated to the stock market or the Federal Reserve. You're worried about the vicissitudes of the stock market? Y Refi takes that concern away. Check them out, as I say, at investyrefi.com. That's invest the letter Y then R E F Y dot com. Sam Stone's been my guest. Thanks for being a great sport. Uh, Sam and great guest and great host. You have your own show Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. Breaking Battlegrounds right here. We came in with Simon and Garfunkel singing Cecilia. We had a caller yesterday who said the essence of, and he was a retired physician, so I I don't want to guess at his age, but probably over 65. And he said um, the best lyric in the song Mrs. Robinson is, Where Have You Gone, Joe DiMaggio? Our nation turns its lonely eyes to you. And I said, that's an interesting lyric to seize on. What, why? Why is that so important? He goes, because we used to have that as a role model. Yeah. We used to have that. Yeah, no. I mean, we, we it, and we used to do something really sort of interesting is we would excuse and eliminate the flaws in our heroes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And really perch them atop a hill. OMG, you are onto something big with that. And, boy. you know, we were told that was a bad thing yeah, to do. Yeah. Um. I've come to think that was a really smart thing that we did for a long time was make heroes pure, yep. even though nobody really is. Babe right. Ruth, Joe DiMaggio, all our great heroes had their flaws. Yeah. And now but, all we want to do is take them down. Yeah. yeah. It's not, yeah. yeah. It's you, can't, you can't live a, a life and be a hero. Yeah. You have to live a fantasy. That is such a big topic. When you come in next week, Sam, I want to do the hour on the importance of heroes. I love that it. That is such an important point. What does it say about a society that doesn't want or have heroes? What does it say about a society that wants to engage in so much iconoclasm that there is no ideal to look to or look up to? What does it say about a society that tells children there are no men you can follow or should? Right? That's what we need to talk about. That may be the critical question. Tune in for that, folks. That'll yeah, be a good that'll discussion. That'll be a good, and we'll do our homework on it. Yes, indeed. Sam Stone, God love you. Thank you. And thanks for all your help today. We had a great event today for Carrie Lake. Check her out. It's at CarrieLake.com. And uh, help her out because this is an inflection point like none other. Check out Sam's show on Saturdays at 9. And until tomorrow, on behalf of Sam and Mr. Bill and young David and Terry and the rest of you, I'm Seth Liebson. God bless you all and class dismissed. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.